Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishnah, Torah, Hilchas, Maser, the laws of the Levite ties. Perek Chi'i, chapter 9, by way of introduction to chapter 9. There is a whole set of laws dealing with Demai. Demai refers to grain, produce, where we're not really sure whether the principal set aside tithe or not. And here we talk about the fact that Bimei, Yochanan Kohen Godel, during the days of Yochanan Kohen Godel, not the Yochanan Kohen Godel of the Hanukkah story, but Shehoya Achara Shimon HaTzadik, the Yochanan Kohen Godel who lived after Shimon HaTzadik. This is Shimon HaTzadik from the Pirkei Avot, known as Simon the Just. So this Yochanan Kohen Godel lived after Shimon HaTzadik. When Stuff was beginning to weaken, and observances was beginning were beginning to weaken. Sholchu bezdin hagodol. So the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, sent investigative teams. They sent a Google car. Uvotku, and they inspected the whole Gvul Yisrael throughout all the boundaries of Israel. They did an investigation. Omotsu, and this is what they found. These were the results. The results were, the questions were given to simple people. Do you set aside the priestly heave offering, the truma? Now we learned earlier that if somebody does not set aside the 2% which belongs to the Kohen, then God forbid, if it's a biblical obligation, there is a heavenly death penalty. And they asked a second question, do you set aside the tithe for the Levite? Those were the two questions in the survey. Umotsu, they found, everyone is observant in the Heave offering to the Kohen, the 2% to the Kohen. By the way, 2% is a rabbinic ordinance. Biblically, any amount is sufficient. Everybody gave truma. The overwhelming majority of responses indicated that people gave truma. Omafrishina, said, they set it aside. Avobot, my serishin, the first tithe, which goes to the levy, the 10% to the levy, not so much. The second tithe, which you're supposed to take, transform it into money, exchange it for money, and take it and spend it in Jerusalem. And these were in, second, in, in, in certain years, first and second, fourth and fifth year of the seven-year cycle. And the poor man's tithe, third and sixth year cycle. So the average non-learned person, whom he refers to here as Amei Ha'oretz, the people who are involved in earthy stuff, this has become a euphemism for ignorant people, non-scholars, they took the liberty 
And they said, ah, Truma, there could be a heavenly death penalty. I don't want to mess with Truma. But this tie, the other tie, the other tie, ah, And the survey showed that they simply did not set it aside. It became weak. It became one of those mitzvahs which people stopped keeping unless they were of the elite scholar group. Lefikar, therefore, the Supreme Court at that time simply issued a decree. What was the decree Lefikar goes through? They issued a decree, and this decree has long-standing ramifications. That only super-trustworthy people, only people of a certain grade of God-fearing energy, scholars, should be trustworthy when it comes to tithes. But the average person, the ignorant person, yes, we can assume that they give truma, because that has the heavenly death penalty. But we cannot necessarily be confident that they did all the other stuff. And you know what? Because of this decree, even if the guy stands and yells, I did it, I took care of it, he has no credibility. Because he's not necessarily that level of observant person. It's like you walk into somebody's house, you keep strictly kosher, and this guy is not an observant person, and he says, it's kosher, it's kosher, it's kosher. You know, you believe that he's telling the truth, but maybe he doesn't know what kosher is. This is the definition of the word demai. What is the definition of the word demai? Produce in which we're not sure whether the tithes have been taken from it or not. Now, what is the big problem? There's a much bigger problem than we suspect. The big problem is that the levy is obligated to take 10% of his tithe and give it to the Kohen, called Trumas Maser. And this Trumas Maser has the same level of sanctity and the same level of holiness and the same ramification if you don't observe it as regular Truma. But the masses didn't know it because it's not something the farmer did, it's something the Levite was supposed to do. So they didn't take the miser, or at least the truma of the miser, as seriously as they did the miser. Now the miser is 10%. The truma of the miser is 1%. Because the Levite had to give 10% from his 10%. 10% from 10% is 1%. So that 1% is make it or break it with a severe biblical law. Therefore, this will help us understand, too. So they ordained. This is part of that ordinance of the Sanhedrin. That when a person is faced with demai, our sages say that demai stands for do mai. What is this? Is, has this been tithed? Has it not been tithed? Demai. Do mai. What is this? Mazeh. Our sages ordain that whenever a person is faced with a situation where he's not really sure whether this 
produce has been tithed or not, he has to give at least that 1% which should have gone to the Kohen. Or at least set it aside. Because unbeknownst to the average farmer, this too carries with it a life and death penalty from heaven. But people didn't realize it. And therefore, the minimum that one had to do with Demai is give that 1%. Again, the truma, the 2%, we assume that everybody does that. Of course, that's what the survey showed. Now, what about the 10% that's supposed to go to the Levite? What's the Levite? Chopped liver? So the truth is, we're not sure whether this ignorant farmer or whether this ignorant person gave the Levite 10% or not. In fact, he could claim that he did. So, my Shani, or the second tithe where the farmer himself has to take it, exchange it for money and take it to Jerusalem. That's not a problem. Because when somebody takes produce, exchanges it for money, puts the money away, sooner or later he goes to Jerusalem, he'll have money to spend in Jerusalem. Imagine you go visit Israel today. You've got to empty out the, the piggy bank, the kosher piggy bank. You've got to take a lot of money. Israel's not a cheap trip. And you've got to sit in Israel and spend money. Back then, they didn't have that problem. They went to Jerusalem and they had money. Because they had the Meister Shani money, which they could spend on food and drink. And even oils for skin massage, as we will learn in the upcoming laws of the second tithe. So the second tithe money is not a problem because nobody loses that money. You end up spending it for yourself. It's like a forced savings account for your next trip to Jerusalem. Because it's not money you give away. It's money you spend on yourself. But the other two tithes, the first tithe that you give to the lady, and the tithe of the third and sixth year that you give to the poor, here, in this ordinance, our sages did not force the person to set aside these two tithes. Why? Because maybe the guy did it already. We're not sure. Remember, it's Demai. And here's a fantastic law. Because we're not sure. The premise of this law is we're not sure. Maybe he did it, maybe he didn't do it. And this law kicks in. There's a principle in halacha. Every yeshiva student studies it in basic Talmud. When you want to take something that belongs to someone else from that someone else and take it for yourself, you need to prove it's yours. Well, they say possession is nine-tenths of the law. You want to take something that's mine because it's yours? Prove it. You, Mr. Levy... You, Mr. Poor Man, you want to take tithes from me? Prove it that the other guy didn't give tithes. Because the first guy claims he gave the tithes. Lefiko, therefore, Omer Lelevi, the guy who's sitting with the big pile of Demai in front of him, can say to the Levite or to the poor man, Eilaoni, Havirai, Yashayna Musa. But tell Mises, prove it to me that this tithe was not removed by the other guy, and I'll give it to you. But you can't prove it, because he screams he did it. Which is why, practically speaking, the only thing we have to give from Demai, again, you must remember, we're assuming that the truma was given, because that's what the survey showed. 
in the time of Yochanan Kohen Gadol who lived after Simon the Just. It's the truma of the Meiser that's the doubt. What's truma of Meiser? 1%. That 1% must be set aside. The other 10%, whether it's the Levi 10% or the poor man's 10%, you don't really have to give it because maybe it was given. And if the Levi or the poor man want to demand it from you, let them prove it wasn't given. So that's the background of the system of how Demai works. However, even though we just said that we don't have to give the poor man's tithe in the third and sixth year from Demai, because maybe the guy gave it, but still, we have to verbally designate it. It's called kore shame, verbal designation. But he does not have to necessarily set it aside. And he says, A tenth of what is here, I'm designating as the poor man's tithe. In order to be able to give the second tithe, because the poor man's tithe is in the third and sixth year. In place of the second tithe of the other years, as we learned earlier, there's a system. Year one and two and four and five is my Shani. Year three and six is my Sharoni. So we have to at least designate it, although we don't really have to separate it. When we do this designation... By setting aside this Trumas Meiser and Meiser Sheini, Ein Mevorchan Aleim. Unlike what we learned earlier, we said there's a bracha. There's no bracha here. Why? Whenever there's doubt, there's no bracha. Whenever we're in doubt as to whether we did a mitzvah or not, if it's a biblical mitzvah, you do it again, but you don't say a bracha, because brachas are rabbinic. Rabbinic doubt, you do not say again. Therefore, we learned earlier, and one should not set aside truma and maestras when one is not in a state of modest dress. Because you can't make a bracha when you're not in a state of modest dress. Here, being that you're not making a bracha, you can set aside the truma or the maestras in a state of immodest dress. Hey, five, kates, admasinus, admai. Okay, so now that we've established that you don't have to give the 10% tithe, but you do have to give the one, the 10% of the 10%. How does that work? It's kind of a, an oxymoron. You don't have to give the 10%, but you do have to give the 10% of the 10%. But the 10% is of the 10%. So he says, He sets aside the amount required for Trumas Meiser. How much is that? That's one hundredth of the produce. And he sets it to the side. And he says, This is the tithe of the tithe. And the rest of the 10%, which is the Levi's 10%, is next to it. So at least he verbally stated it, although, remember, the Levi's produce has no holiness. So we just learned that the Levi has to prove that the first guy didn't do it in order for him to get it. But at least he verbally stated it. And then he verbally states, 
that which I designated as tithe, that first designation is actually the tithe of the tithe. For the rest of the 10% sitting next to it. So what's important is that he take that one hundredth. And he give it to a Kayan. Because it's better not to set aside the 10% of the 10% before you set aside the 10%. Which is why he said this is the 10% of the 10%. Next to it is the 10%. Then he can designate the second tithe. How does the second tithe designation work? In a case of Demai, very easy. In a case of certain produce where we know it was not, where the obligations were not taken care of, we learned you have to actually take 10% of the produce. Designate it as the second tithe. Then find a banker who will, or, or a grocery man who will buy it or exchange it or exchange it ourselves with a more severe exchange rate and so on. And then take the money. Here it's, there's a much easier method. Our sages were much more liberal. Because, again, we're in doubt. Maybe the first guy did it. The first liberal application is you can do the second tithe before the first tithe, which is unheard of in the regular laws. That's one liberal application. If he wanted to, he says he can do it all verbally. He can say, "My Sersheni, the second tithe shall pay the halo of this of this produce." I'm designating their place in the north area of the pile, in the south area. So you say, "The My Sersheni, the second tithe, it's over there. It's in the north side of the pile." Now that I've designated it verbally, I can say that I have money in my room. It is exchange in my bank. I'm exchanging it for money. So without even touching the produce, the produce is exchanged for money. So now that's a very easy way of designating my Sersheni because of this Demai setup. There's another liberty where somebody who buys a loaf of bread from the baker, one also has to set aside Trumas Maser, the 10% of the 10%, and also the Chala, where the first dough, which we still need to learn the details. And he says, One of a hundred of what exists here is the, is the tithe. The rest of the tithe is next to it. And the first designation becomes Trumas Maser for the rest. And the rest... Next to it is Chala. And the second tithe is at the north or south end of the pile. And it's exchanged for money. And that's how we can eat, by making this verbal declaration. So our sages really permitted the person who is faced with a demise situation to take only the 100th, set it aside... And the rest he can do verbally and then take up the money that's sitting somewhere else and later use that for my Sersheni money. Now we have a similar setting. What if Mr. A invites Mr. B to his home to eat? And Mr. B is not sure whether Mr. A is observant of tithes or not. Not sure if he's a 
Chaber, that's what it's called, a scholar, or an amoritor in ignoramus. How do you deal with it? Maybe he gave Meiser, maybe he didn't. Eimer of Shabbos, the invitation came for a Shabbos meal. Now we learned earlier that one of the things you're not allowed to do on Shabbos is set aside tithe. So before Shabbos, he has to verbally designate. And th- this is a very liberal application with verbal designation. He says, Masha ani osid That which I will set aside during lunch, tomorrow. Harehu Meister, that's going to be the one hundredth of my portion, which is going to be set aside theoretically for the Kohen. Ushar Meister Somachlai and the Rest of the Levites, Meiser, was next to it. And that which I designated Meiser to begin with, becomes the Trumas Meiser for the rest, which means the 1% is that 10% of the 10%. And the second tithe is in the north or south of my sandwich. And I'm going to exchange it for money later. All of this, our sages permitted for the person to say Friday afternoon because he knows he's invited to a home where he's not sure that home is strict about the tithing or not. Because our sages permitted a person to make these verbal conditions on uncertain produce, even though he doesn't have it in his dominion, where is the food he's going to eat tomorrow? It's still in the other guy's house. But had this happened with certain produce, he can only make the condition when it's in his domain. So this wouldn't work at all in, un, in certain, in a situation where he's certain that Misa was not given. Some similar scenarios. Ketzat, for example, or here he gives an example. If a person has a hundred figs, in his house, and he finds himself in the synagogue, in the house of study, or he finds himself in the field. And remember, Shabbos, you now let it designate Meiser, he's afraid it's going to get dark. And you can't do Meiser on Shabbos. He can do it verbally. What does he say? The two figs that I will set aside. That's Truma. So that's 2% of 100 and the other ten after that, my sedition is the first tithe. And the nine afterwards, my sersheni. And tomorrow on Shabbos, he can set aside and eat. That verbal declaration covers the obligation. Tess, does it have to be verbal or could it be in my head? He says, no, it has to be verbal. One actually has to verbalize, whisper. With his lips, when he does it, and it's not considered like correcting something on Shabbos, which was the original prohibition, because he made the condition before Shabbos. Whenever there's a situation where there's untithed produce, which has this precondition attached to it from before Shabbos, one may then move it on Shabbos even before it's set aside, even though ordinary tevel becomes muktzah on Shabbos. Ordinary tevel is even forbidden to be touched on Shabbos. He places his eyes in that direction and then he can eat the rest. 
Similarly, if an ignorant person gives him a cup to drink from, that which I'm going to be leaving at the bottom of the cup, and the rest is next to it. And the first Meiser I designated is actually Trumas Meiser. The second tithe is at the mouth of the cup, and it's exchanged for the money I have in my room. And then he can drink it, and he has to leave only enough for the Trumas Meiser, as we learned earlier, for the 100th at the bottom of the cup, because all the other stuff, no one can prove it wasn't taken by the first owner. Yudalaf 13, If his friend invited him to drink, to have wine on Shabbos. He accepted an invitation to come have wine at somebody's house. He's not sure whether that wine was tied or not. He makes the following verbal condition before Shabbos. I'll call Mashiach. She said, that's like whatever the guy serves him, that he makes the condition enumerated just now earlier. So also an employee who's not certain his employer does my sir. He takes, therefore, one fig, and he says, Zu this, and nine that come after it, is the tithe for the hundred I'm going to eat. And this one is the portion for the coin from the ten. And the last ones are the and I'm going to exchange that by my money. And he then gives the one fig to a coin. The worker himself has to set aside later in his home the money for the second tithe. Who because the courts made a condition, stipulation should hey that the Trumas Meiser, that 1% to the Kohen should be of the host's food, but the second tithe should be the workers. Why? Because the worker is going to take that money to Jerusalem. So there's no loss. And now he goes on in 12, where he explains in the notes that in his commentary in the Mishnah, the Rambam writes that when it came to bakers, when it came to bakeries, the local officials would keep very strict watch over the bakeries, over the bakers. And they would regulate their sales, making sure that they're not gouging the public. So they prevented them from charging higher prices. So that the bakeries were very, very monitored. You're going to make a baker give all these percentages on top of it, he'll, he'll starve. Can't afford to do it. So in consideration of this position, our sages did not require monitored bakeries to give the second tithe. They said, let the customer give the second tithe. Why is it easier for the customer to give the second tithe? Because the customer is going to spend it on himself anyway when he goes to Jerusalem. And the baker could never spend so much money on himself. 10% of the whole gross amount that he sells. This is the background to 12. 
Hanachtoimim bakers. Lechivim chacham lapish maishashem and Adamai. Our sages did not require bakers to set aside the second tithe from uncertain produce. Ela turmas maishah babad only the one hundredth that goes to the kain. Kedeshi afishan abatorim achala. And it's, there's another benefit that it'll be set aside in purity together with chala. And now the customer, Mafish Maishasheni, has the obligation from Demai for taking Maishasheni. When does this apply? When the sales are being done in the bakery or at the gateway of the bakery, when the government is monitoring, but if somebody sells wholesale, or in another store that's not monitored by this system, he also has to give Maishasheni. And the final law in this chapter, Here is a situation where two different people harvested their vineyards into a common vat. One of them is not believed when it comes to tithing, and the other is even though the one who is believed is certain that he did all of the tithings and has set aside everything he had to, when he's going to take his portion from the wine, what do we mean his portion? Because everything he did went into the same vat as the other guy. So they are 50-50 partners in that vat. That becomes wine. So now the question is, was this wine set, were the portions of tithing set aside from this wine? Well, he knows that his was, and the other one, his partner probably wasn't. He must take the portion of his partner who is not a scholar, and he must set aside by the laws of Demai Ketzad, and here he spells it out. Assuming the partnership was 50-50. And his half is 200 lugab wine. He takes one log of trumas meiser. Why? Because his half is only 100. A half of 200 is 100. A hundredth of 100 is one. The eser meiser sheni plus he takes 10 more second tithe, which again becomes his money to spend in Jerusalem. Because the miser of his half was done before it was put into the vat. The same is if it was a different ratio, a third or a quarter. He has to set aside from his partner's produce that amount of the 100th End of chapter 9.